0: note to introduce today's episode. We had a few technical difficulties when we were recording in the morning. So we actually wound up finishing this one up in the afternoon. The only places you'll notice it is when we're talking about games in the second half of the episode. And unfortunately, when we give you some news about the chalk wall, which actually had an update throughout the day. Other than that, enjoy this playoff preview. Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue, your pandemic playoff baseball home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. My name is Sarah Sanchez, and I write about the playoff bound Chicago Cubs for Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hello, y'all. Andy Cruz-Vanasek, and I am so excited to be starting this week with y'all. Yeah, it should be fun.
0: I... I mean, we're going to talk about the White Sox in a second, but can I just say that the last couple of days walking by Wrigley Field with the bunting and they have all of the W flags up, and then yesterday, and this is like so wild. I'm writing about it later uh, today, and I'm so stoked about it. Yesterday, I saw the beginnings of the chalk wall. So I don't know if people remember this, but in 2016, after the Cubs clinched the pennant and we're going to the World Series, fans just started like writing <laughs> their well wishes to the team on the brick wall in chalk from about the sixth inning onward. When the Cubs had a 5-0 lead, that was when they started writing. And it, it stuck. It became a thing. In 2017, fans started writing on the wall again during the NLDS. And it never really got going as much, at least I don't remember it, in 2018 because they only had the wild card game. But So this is the first time that I've seen chalk on the wall of Wrigley Field For a couple of years now, and when I saw that first W, I just, I got goosebumps.
1: (laughs) Well, I have to say back in 2016, I received a picture from a very good friend of mine who lives um, just a couple blocks uh, away from Wrigley. Somebody had actually wrote my name on the wall and uh, just wrote Andy Cruz. And that was like really cool. So, so, So my friend saw it, just happened to see it and took a picture and sent it to me. And I, I don't know if it—if I'm the only Andy Cruz that's a Chicago Cubs fan. I imagine that there's probably more of us. But I, I mean, that's a pretty original name and spelled correctly and wrote on the wall at Wrigley. I kind of felt it was me. So yes, I love this. If anybody sees my name again, please take a picture. Or if you're writing things, write my name for me since I can't be there. <laughs>
0: I, you know what, I have not written anything yet. I plan to later today when I go get my second cup of coffee. And so I will absolutely write a little note from Andy and myself. And if anyone else uh, wants us to write your name on the wall to send your well wishes to the Cubs while they get this playoff thing kicked off, let me know. I'm happy to do it. Just hit me up on Twitter. So let's start with the Crosstown Classic, Andy. It's Fun times in Chicago, both the Cubs and the White Sox are playoff bound. But the Cubs finally looked like a team that could do some damage if they chose to in the playoffs on the south side.
1: I mean, can we just talk about the obvious, the bat flips, the heating up, the chains? I mean, like, I I don't know what happened to this team over the weekend. I'm asking that in a good way. Whatever happened, hopefully it's something that just – completely shifted where they're headed and how they're going to be playing going forward because they look like a completely different team this series and I am good with it this is the team that we wanted to see this is what we hoped to see for this series jumping into the playoffs I really think that the way they treated this series the way that they approached this series and this playoff caliber team because the White Sox are headed to the playoffs too it was really effective. And I I hope we see that rub off on this next series against the Marlins.
0: Well, you said two things there I want to talk about. I'm going to talk about my favorite first. Wilson Contreras can bat flip all day, anytime he wants to, as high as he wants to. And I I loved this so much just when it happened, but I loved hearing afterwards that a couple of things. One, Anthony Rizzo went to Contreras before the game and was sort of like, look, if you do something good, celebrate it, like have fun. We need our swagger back. This team needs some attitude. And so if you look at there's an angle that Marquis Sports Network had where Wilson hits the home run, knows it's gone, looks straight into the Cubs dugout, and that's when he flips his bat literally to the moon. And Anthony Rizzo is just laughing so hard and losing it because he knows, he knows that he told Wilson to do that. And I think that is part of why you saw how upset, in particular, Rizzo was when Jimmy Cordero then hit Wilson Contreras with a pitch for like being good at baseball and having fun. I guess I hate the unwritten rules so much, not a fan. It didn't matter. Contreras hit another home run later in the game, admittedly off Yulmer Sanchez, but still. And my and at the very end, so like Rizzo comes out usually, and according to one of the marquee guys, he's usually like the first guy on the field to high five everybody at the end of the game, and you saw him visibly like take Contreras by the shoulders and push him to the front of the line like, "Buddy, You, you did this today. This is your game. And it was just such the whole thing was so cool. So much leadership from Rizzo, so much swag from Wilson Contreras, and the Cubs scored 10 runs. So you know, you can't really complain about that. But I I just loved everything about that first game.
1: Oh yeah, it was huge. It was definitely, um, you know, you Darvish gave us the start that we were all hoping for. He looked ridiculous and the offense just matched it. You know, they were just kind of like, well, it's probably about time we show up the way that we know how. So yeah, it was, it was a great way to get this series started. I have to say I had a pit in my stomach. I was really nervous. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, it feels like you know, we had a really good opportunity to to make some things happen, and it definitely did. And and I feel really good going into the playoffs. And about how we kind of, I don't want to, I don't want to say restored my faith and being able to beat the White Sox because they are a good young team. But I mean, they played us really tough this year, so it was it was good to see us come out and kind of give them a thrashing. Sorry, White Sox fans.
0: I I think they understand and will forgive us this time. They've got, they've got problems of their own with their own series. They went down. I think they moved all the way down to a seven seed. When the Crosstown Classic started, they had a shot at being the two seed in the AL and just a combination of the Twins winning and the White Sox lose, dropping two of three to the Cubs really changed their seeding. So they will not be playing at home. Uh, They will be playing on the road instead. This is not a White Sox podcast. This is a Cubs podcast. And the other thing that you mentioned in your intro that I really want to talk about is 2 Chains Chris Bryant, who is definitely not old school Chris Bryant. (laughs) I don't know what 2 Chains Chris Bryant does for fun, but I feel like it's not watching Disney movies. It's something different. He's doing all the different things, and I'm not sure... Uh, where this came like well, I am sure where this came from actually again it is Anthony Rizzo and I love how Rizzo is involved in all of these stories but apparently you know we've been talking about how Chris Bryant's been struggling the media has been talking about how Chris Bryant's been struggling Twitter has definitely been talking about how Chris Bryant had been struggling and before game two Anthony Rizzo went up to KB and said hey do you trust me and let him The two gold chains that Rizzo had borrowed from Mike Napoli and just told him there's some magic in these chains. And Chris Bryant promptly hit a grand slam. I mean, look, going in to the last two games of the season, Chris Bryant had two home runs and five RBIs. And coming out of the season, he had four home runs and 11 RBIs. So he like doubled (laughs) key offensive numbers in two games. I'm here for it.
1: Yeah, I definitely made the tweet that with that Grand Slam, Chris Bryant doubled his RBIs, which I was one off. But my point was, it should not have happened that way. Obviously, you know, you want to see a different Chris Bryant throughout the season. But if he chooses to, um, you know, show up at the end when we're headed into playoffs, I can deal with that. I can completely deal with that if that's the route he wants to go. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me, and we've talked about this excuse me, um, a couple different times that, it, you know, the the players that struggled um, throughout the season were some of the big names in this lineup, and to see the Cubs still be in first place pretty much the entire season was remarkable. I mean, that's just insane if you think about it, because you got some of the, you know um, – least likely of characters picking up the weight which is great because it, you know it worked out well we were in first place the whole season and now we have Chris Bryant really heating up here at the end i liked what um how wilson contreras has been doing his at bats have been solid i mean obviously he brings an energy to this team that is just irreplaceable and when he is you know doing what he does well he just brings a vibe to this team and, you know, Javier Baez, you saw him make contact and, and get some scene, c and hits. And it's just, it was a really great series. Everything kind of came together. You would have liked to see John Lester get a better line on um, Saturday, but you know what, things like that happen. And he's a competitor and, you know, as long as his team goes out and competes and, you know, I'm sure he was frustrated with the way the defense looked because that was a little rough behind him, but you know what? If you guys are going to do that, do it now. We can't, we can't afford to do things like that in the playoffs. So get it out of your system now. Go back to the defense that you guys have been playing all season and bring this offense with.
0: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you on the defense. It, it was weird because it looked really good in a couple of the games and, like, really off <laughs> in the other one. And I just hope that the Cubs' good defense – shows up for the playoffs against Miami, which start on Wednesday at Wrigley Field. Before we talk about that, you mentioned seeing eye hits from Javi. I loved that. I also loved him batting left-handed, again, Javier Sanchez. And he hit a double. So Javi is a 500-career left-handed batter at this moment in time. She's so only well, going
1: <laughs> Right? And and people need to remember, like, my, I had to explain this to my kids a couple times, and being that I, I'm I don't want to say I'm not obviously comparing myself to Javier Baez, but I was a much better left-handed hitter than a right-handed hitter when I played softball. And it's he's a natural lefty. Javier Baez does just about everything left-handed except bats. So when you think about it, if you're a righty, your dominant eye is going to be your right eye. But when you stand up at the plate, your left eye is closest to the ball. So if you flip that around, sometimes that makes a big difference. For me, it does. I'm guessing Javier Baez, it probably doesn't make a difference. He's just got more talent in his pinky finger than probably the entire world. So, you know, it's easy to to look at it and be like, oh, my gosh, that is just insane. Yes, it's insane that this man can do it and that he bats better right-handed than he does left-handed but it's also not a surprise. Like, yeah, he should be able to hit the ball like that left-handed. Most humans cannot do stuff like that. This is why, again, I will argue that he is not human.
0: <laughs> uh, one last note from the Cubs-White Sox series before we do a little bit of playoff preview stuff. The Andy, you noted that the bullpen really struggled in Game 3. In fact, they almost gave this game back. I don't really know how much to make of this. It seemed like it was the back end of the bullpen. David Ross was trying to stay away from the guys that he goes to most of the time or just get them like one inning of work. A lot of that came off the debut of Braylon Marquez, who has really great stuff, right? So I'm excited about Braylon Marquez and everybody else should be too, but he just didn't have that final out pitch. He was the victim of a couple of pass balls, a couple of misplayed balls, and it just really didn't, You know, his first inning probably didn't work out the way that we all wanted it to. He certainly has a ton of talent. He will be back. What are you thinking about the bullpen as we head into the playoffs?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they have been so ridiculously good in the month of September. I I believe like one or two best bullpens in the league. Um, Just the numbers have been ridiculous. It's been... Such a relief to see them kind of come around because at the beginning of the season, that was our major, major downfall and people knew it and it was a weakness and it was almost kind of laughable at how bad they were to start the season and to see them come around and definitely have a strong month of September, especially when you're headed directly into the playoffs and in some really big games, you know, at the end of this season, there's games. If we would not have pulled off, we would not have been in the situation that we were in. And, you know, I'd like to thank Jeremy Jeffers for that because he, 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 you know, came into some really tough spots here at the end of the season, not necessarily just in September. There was, I believe one or two in August where he came into some dirty innings. He had guys on base and he was able to close out. And I think that, you know, the other guys in the arms that we have in the bullpen are definitely, there's definitely some talent there and, and matchup wise, you know, we definitely can, can pull some things off. These guys can come in and, and really, I don't want to say dominate. Cause I think that might be overstating it, but they can, they can come in and take care of business. And that's what needs to be done. It may not be pretty. It may not always be pretty, but getting that last out is the most important thing. And these guys have managed to do that. And honestly, I feel like, yeah, Sunday was not pretty. They gave up some late runs and made it a ball game and, you know, gave, the White Sox fans a little bit of hope and then yanked it away. But it was, it's kind of one of those situations where you want to see them. You don't want to see them do stuff like that because obviously that throws a curve into the numbers that they were putting up for September. But at the same time, you know, if just like the defense, if they're going to do crap like that, let's get it done now in a game that where we've already, you know, clinched the division, we're already feeling pretty good about our offense If you're going to have a bad game, make it be a game like that where we can still pull off the win. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with our bullpen and what they've been doing, and I look forward to watching them do more of it in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, the bullpen really, it was like the tale of two seasons, right? You had the first half bullpen that was kind of scary and not great, and then the second half bullpen that was really lights out, and it was the offense that was sputtering a lot more. I also just think that given the way – Playoff rosters work. We're not going to see some of the guys who have struggled a lot on the roster at all. I think that we're more likely to see like the Cubs try to put Tyler Chatwood in for one inning. You know, he was throwing off the mound the other day. I think he threw a 25 pitch bullpen session. They thought he looked really good. The return of bullpen Chatwood would be great, right? You can pull uh, Adbert Alzelay in for a couple of innings in a game where maybe a starter has struggled a little bit. He's looked really good. You know, he's the one who got the win on, I believe it was Sunday. I'm like, days are running together.
1: Yes, Sunday. (laughs) What day
0: was it that that advert pitched? You know, he's looked really solid. He's really gotten the walks under control. He's got a nasty out pitch. And he can give you two or three solid innings of relief if God forbid, one of your starters doesn't have it that day. So I think that they've got some options. They're going to mix and match. I was reading an article in the Chicago Tribune this morning before we started recording. And, you know, a couple of things really seem like they're solid and set, obviously, like Darvish isn't going anywhere. Kyle Hendricks isn't going anywhere. Victor Caratini is still going to catch you, Darvish. But the Cubs have some options here, right? Are we going to see Albert Almora Jr. come back? I don't know. That's really interesting to me. How, what is that final roster in the bullpen going to look like? And that'll be one of the interesting things I'm keeping an eye on today and tomorrow before the Cubs kick off the first round of the wild card series during what I'm calling wild card week. And we can talk about that in a second at one o'clock at Wrigley Field on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they have been so ridiculously good in the month of September. I, I believe like one or two best bullpens in the league. Um, just the numbers have been ridiculous. It's been such a relief to see them kind of come around because at the beginning of the season, that was our major, major downfall and people knew it and it was a weakness and it was almost kind of laughable at how bad they were to start the season. And to see them come around and definitely have a strong month of September, especially when you're headed directly into the playoffs and in some really big games, you know, at the end of this season, there's games. If we would not have pulled off, we would not have been in the situation that we were in. And, you know, I'd like to thank Jeremy Jeffers for that because he, 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 you know, came into some really tough spots here at the end of this season, not necessarily just in September. There was, I believe one or two in August where he came into some dirty innings, he had guys on base and he was able to close out. And I think that, you know, the other guys and the arms that we have in the bullpen are definitely, there's definitely some talent there and, and matchup wise, you know, we definitely can, can pull some things off. These guys can come in and, and really, I don't want to say dominate cuz I think that might be overstating it but they can they can come in and take care of business and that's what needs to be done. It may not be pretty, it may not always be pretty, but getting that last out is the most important thing and these guys have managed to do that. And honestly, I feel like yeah, Sunday was not pretty. They gave up some late runs and made it a ball game and, you know, gave the White Sox fans a little bit of hope and then yanked it away but it was it, it's kind of one of those situations where you want to see them you don't want to see them do stuff like that because obviously that throws a curve into the numbers that they were putting up for September but at the same time it, you know if just like the defense if they're going to do crap like that let's get it done now in a game that where we've already you know clinched the division we're already feeling pretty good about our offense If you're going to have a bad game, make it be a game like that where we can still pull off the win. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with our bullpen and what they've been doing. And I look forward to watching them do more of it in the playoffs. So I'm actually very anxious about the playoff roster as well, simply because we've seen some great production from some of the guys that have been brought onto this team late in the season. Um, Cameron Maben, for example, has been such a fabulous addition to this team. Um, not only on the field, but off the field too. You can just tell he completely vibes with everybody and it feels like he's been on this team for a long time. And really it's only been like, what, a month and a half, a month. Um, also Billy Hamilton, like Billy Hamilton and Cameron Mabin on the bases at the same time, I think is like a dream come true for me as a Cubs fan, because, you know, you don't really ever have, in in my mind anyways, just going back to what our strengths have been the past few seasons, we've never had a threat to really steal a base or, like, be a speedster on the base pass. We have guys that can move, but not guys that are a threat to steal a base every single time they're on. I'm not saying that Cameron Maben is, but Billy Hamilton is that guy. And we saw that on Sunday when Billy Hamilton pulled off a successful steal of home. Um, And he would not have been able to do that without Cameron Mabin at first. So that was a really fun thing to see. And you kind of wonder if you don't, I, I don't feel like anyways we'll see anything too risque like that probably during playoffs. But if the situation calls for it and there is a, a cushy lead, you might see some things like that. And I, I really love that. I really love that they're kind of um pushing the envelope a little bit and doing some things that we haven't seen them do and, and using some of the bench guys. Yeah, one of the things that you hit on there that
0: I am super excited to see is how David Ross manages in the postseason, specifically... I am really interested to see what he does with Billy Hamilton when he pinch runs for him, how long Kyle Schwarber gets to stay in the game and how many hits and at-bats he gets to have before he gets replaced for a better defense. You know, I think that it's going to be a particularly interesting test of a new manager. And one of the things that is really tricky here, and Andy, I am just dying to know what you think of this is that they haven't seen any of these other teams all season like they haven't seen anybody in the NL East they haven't seen the Marlins they they can see them on TV the same way we can but that is not the same as sizing up a pitcher and knowing that you've seen him before and that you can do damage on a particular pitch and I just think it's going to be really interesting to see how these clubs do all playing each other for the first time which is not something we normally see until the World Series
1: Yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to be interesting and it kind of gives me that sick feeling because you're like, we've seen this, we've read this story before when it comes to the Chicago Cubs, when it comes to pitchers that they've never faced, no name pitchers that, you know, usually start with TBD come in and shut down this lineup. So yeah, it gives me a little bit of a stomach ache because it it kind of brings me back to when this offense has been, you know, completely dry and nothing's been happening. And so hopefully that's not the Cub lineup that we see. Hopefully, you know, maybe it just takes one trip through the lineup before these guys get comfortable and start seeing something that they can hit. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely a concern. It's a concern with all these series, unless, of course, we end up playing somebody from the central, which very well could be. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's definitely something that I've thought about throughout with the way that playoffs have lined up and the way that seedings happened. So definitely keep an eye on that. And you know what? As much of a disadvantage it is for the Chicago Cubs, it's also as big of a disadvantage for anybody else that they play because their pitching, their starting pitching has been pretty solid this year and going against folks like Kyle Hendricks and you Darvish, and even a playoff version of John Lester is not fun. I mean, that seems like it would give people fits. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see on both sides of it. But definitely, I really hope that the Cubs have snapped out of, you know, the, the whole these no name pitchers or pitchers they have never seen can shut them down type thing.
0: Well, we are going to talk more about the Marlins pitchers that the Cubs are most likely to see on the flip side. First, we need to take a quick break for our sponsors, but we are everything Marlins versus Cubs in the wild card round of the playoffs at Wrigley Field on Wednesday after the break. So you will not want to miss this. And we are back. So it's kind of funny because a lot of this has been TBD. Most of the day, we did finally learn that Kyle Hendricks will be the Cubs' Game 1 starter, which means that E. Darvish will be the Game 2 starter. The Marlins starters at Fangraphs are listed as Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Sixto Sanchez, who is just this flame throwing prospect that they got from the Phillies after, when they traded J.T. Realmuto. I am... This is going to be a really, really interesting matchup for the Cubs. You know, everything you were saying before the break about TBD pitchers and pitchers the Cubs haven't seen before is so true. But one thing that the Cubs have done really well with in the past is power arms. And the Marlins are power
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like we have some potential to do some damage there. And the thing that I really love about seeing any power arm, especially with some of these bats in our lineup, is they do most of the work. I mean, if you think about how fast these pitches are coming in at, you know, one guy gets a half swing on it and that sucker is gone. And now we, in in all fairness, we've seen that happen against us as well. I mean, look at Craig Kimbrell, for example um but this is this is a reality especially with guys like Kyle Schwarber, Anthony Rizzo, who make good contact when they do hit the ball and you know it, it tends to be pretty solid and they get the majority of the ball when they're swinging at these pitches that ball is going to go. So that's definitely an, a, an advantage for the Chicago Cubs lineup and especially playing at Wrigley. We just want to be careful because obviously that pendulum swings both ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you suggesting that Kyle Hendricks should dial back his 89 mile per... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably more advice for like Tyler Chatwood and or you Darvish or other Cubs pitchers who can in fact approach 99. Um, yeah, I Wrigley is going to be real interesting during this series. You know, fall is in the air here. The wind is not howling out to the lake. It is howling in from the lake. The temperature really cooled off about 15 degrees in the last three days alone. So, Wrigley could play like the small ball, ballpark that it plays, uh, you know, that we see in April, that we see in May, that we see in September and October. Or if the weather shifts a little bit, it could be the bandbox that we know and love. I'm really interested in seeing how the weather affects this series.
1: Can I just say so, the last time the Chicago Cubs played, the Marlins in any kind of playoffs, obviously. We all remember this well. If you're any kind of Chicago Cubs fan for Indeed. any amount of time, I just want to say this really quick. They were not the Miami Marlins, okay? They were <laughs> a different team. They were a different Marlins. So this makes me feel a little bit better. But I will say right now, you know that it's been um, it's been a while since I've had these like butterflies in my stomach and now sitting here talking to you about it and like really talking about playoffs, I have those butterflies back and it's like so exciting. And I keep looking at my watch, like thinking how many more hours until I get to see the Chicago Cubs play in the 2020 playoffs. I don't give a crap what anybody says. Yes, this has been a very strange year and it feels like hockey that everybody made the playoffs. There are so many teams right now. I don't care. It's still the playoffs. They're still giving a trophy. We're still in it. I mean, we have a very good opportunity right now to, you know, make it at least another round this is a good lineup I love our pitching right now I'm loving how hot we are coming into this series I just I feel good about it I'm so excited like as I say it I'm thinking about what cub shirt I'm wearing tomorrow and all the butterflies in my belly
0: what cub shirt are you wearing tomorrow I have no idea (laughs) (laughs) I have so many (laughs) I, I haven't thought about that. I am definitely going to be wearing two chains because we all know that the Cubs are running on the luck of Mike Napoli's two chains. So Cubs fans, if you are also going to have a couple of chains on during these games, make sure you let us know on Twitter because I think I think that's just fun. And and as an aside there, I think those are the types of things that happen to contenders, right? Those are the types of things that playoff teams have. I was, uh, I was looking back at the season and sort of the turnaround that the Cubs had after that September 12th game where Jason Hayward and Ildemar Vargas took Josh Hader deep to just like launch a comeback win before the Alec Mills no hitter. And it occurred to me that, you know, you got to have those momentum moments for good teams. It's one of the things that separates good teams and great teams. And you have, and those teams always have stories too. They always have something that they've latched onto. That's like a little bit of magic, right? You had Matt, you had Matt Caesars back, you had baby shark, and now we've got Mike Napoli's two chains and I am here for it.
1: Well, I was going to say, it's definitely a situation of like, it just feels different and it feels special. And, you know, this season is already going to be special for so many different things. And so many different situations that these players have been put through, you know, this season will be talked about for, for, you know, many, many, many years to come. But I think in terms of like the team being special, like, you know, kind of feeling different and feeling like there is a vibe that is just different. I definitely feel like there is an element of that special feeling like we had in 2016, you know, like. I don't want to get carried away because I know where that goes and I know the disappointment that brings, but there, even if the, even if nothing becomes of it, there was an element of special to this team at some point in this season. And I don't know if it was Jason Hayward. I kind of feel like it was this season because there's a lot of things that we discussed that were good, positive things that came at the hands of Jason Hayward this entire season. So, you know, there's just something different about this year that we'll talk about and we'll remember. And I love that feeling. I love having that feeling, even if it's only for whatever, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put a, an end date on it because hopefully it goes on until the end. But it, it's just one of those things. I, I don't know what kind of special it is, but it definitely feels a certain kind of special. Yeah, I agree with
0: that. One of the things that I think is really interesting is how this Cubs team has gotten production from everybody at some point in time, except their biggest stars, right? Until the very end of the season, you didn't really see a lot out of Chris Bryant. You didn't really see Javier Baez look like he was heating up. If, if those two guys are about to join the party, and they're going to join Wilson Contreras, and they're going to join Jason Hayward, they're going to join Jason Kipnis, who has at times been super hot for this team, I just really feel like this Cubs team can do more damage than maybe some people are giving them credit for.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's if I'm the other team that's playing them at any point in, in these playoffs and I'm watching the series against the White Sox, yeah, I'm getting a little nervous because you do not want these big players to start heating up. This Cubs team has managed to stay in first place pretty much the entire season with, you know, some of the big names who you expect to see pulling the weight not doing that. So, how amazing would it be to see them heat up all at the same time, or at least start to do something all at the same time and really make a good deep playoff run. I mean, that would just be phenomenal. And honestly, at this point, it would not surprise me because if you think about any other season where we're at after 60 games, that's about the time when things really start clicking. I feel like anyways, I mean, every season has been a little different with each of these guys, but I mean, you know in a 160 150 game season a normal season that's what you know just over a third of the games so yeah i mean i kind of feel like it makes sense for things to start happening now and you know why wouldn't they these guys are 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 full of talent this lineup is full of talent and there's so many interchangeable pieces that can come in and work i'm just really excited to see how david ross manages all that and to see some of these matchups i think it's going to be really fun to watch and you know, if this team at all decides to show up this round, it's really going to do them some favors for the for the coming rounds ahead.
0: One hundred percent. Just as a recap, you know, we always give you the guys who have been hot over the last couple of weeks. We judge that by WRC plus on the Cubs. The guys who are sporting a WRC plus over one ten right now. You've got Wilson Contreras at one twenty seven, Anthony Rizzo at one fifteen. Chris Bryant at 129 and then you've got Victor Caratini at 113. How incredible would it be if all of those guys keep that up and you get the production that you've been getting from Jason Hayward, Ian Happen, and, and maybe even Javi Baez will join the party. I think, I just think that's a very dangerous lineup.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, even if these guys just give you a little bit more than what they're giving you now, it, it's going it, to, you're going to see some real production. You're going to see some offensive numbers because, I mean, if you think about it, and and we've said this at nauseum, there just hasn't been the production there that we're used to seeing offensively. And so, if any of these guys even start to be their normal like career averages, <laughs> you're going to start to see more happening. And and honestly, who what better time to ramp up than for the for the playoffs? You know, what better time to make it happen than right now? And, and I just honestly think this last series. Is, I know we're we're kind of over-talking about it. We're talking about the Marlins. But I think if anybody was paying attention to the White Sox series, I think that was such a way to end the season. Obviously, you don't like that comeback late on Sunday. But, you know, we had a lot of our um, – a lot of second, third-tier guys in. Not that that's, you know, not making excuses or anything like that. But, you know, it was nice to see them put up such good offensive numbers this weekend and, and really kind of hit a stride because that's what they're going to need to do in, in the playoffs.
0: Totally. I You know, the White Sox series is interesting to me. So is the Twins series, for that matter. The Cubs have done well this year when they have been playing teams who are contenders. And they have done less well this year when they have been playing, looking at you, Pittsburgh, the Pirates. I just think that this team really can rise to the occasion and rise to the big moment. And if that's true, that's another sign that they could do some damage in these playoffs, right? Because they're not going to be playing teams that aren't bringing their A game each day. They're going to be playing for their playoff lives. I mean, I was thinking about this earlier. A three-game series is wild. It takes precisely one victory
1: to set up an elimination scenario. That is insanity. That's crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. Well, and the other thing, the other side of this too, and I don't want to get so carried away with, you know, putting up numbers offensively, but obviously you need at least one to win is who we have pitching. I mean, Kyle Hendricks has not number wise had this season that um, he has through the seeing eye test. I think anyways, I feel like he's still been a pretty dominant pitcher. He's still been himself, but something was just not there. I feel like towards the second half of this 60 game season and, you know, hitters were figuring out how to make solid contact and we're kind of hitting them around a little bit. However, I feel like both he and you Darvish, as long as they can get out of the first inning unscathed, I feel like it's going to be their call. It's going to be one run is going to feel like 10, as long as they're pitching the way that they, that we know they can pitch the, the first inning jitters, I think is is what I'm concerned with, but you know, they both have been in big situations before. Obviously you Darvish got hit around the last time we saw him pitch in the playoffs and, <laughs> That was because people were cheating. Um, but Kyle Hendricks, I mean, you know, he's he's a, a smooth cat. You know, he doesn't really show any emotion. So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel really good about our pitching right now. And I think that they both probably have it in their heads that they need to go out there and set their team up to, you know, be able to win a ball game with one or two runs.
0: Oh, I am totally here for the U Darvish postseason baseball redemption tour. Can I make you feel a little bit better about our pitching going into this series? Please. So the Cubs starting rotation by F war is the seventh best starting rotation in the majors. That's the entirety of the starters. So that includes like your Quintana starts here and there, your Alzale starts here and there, not just Kyle Hendricks, U Darvish, and I have to imagine John Lester gets the ball in game three, he's one of the greatest postseason pitchers um, of our generation. And frankly, like he'll he'll be on a short leash, but you've you got to give John the ball there. The Marlins, on the other hand, have the 18th best rotation by F4. So you're going to hear a lot about the Marlins' power arms and how cool these kids are and with the damage they've done. And all of that is true. But comparatively, the Cubs have put up six F4 from their starting pitchers while the Marlins have gotten 3.6 F4. That's a pretty big difference. Can I make you feel even better? Of course. Let's talk about the bullpen for a second, because I know that there have been concerns about the Cubs' bullpen at times, and I really feel like this season – was a story of two bullpens from the Chicago Cubs. The, the bullpen that you saw at the start of the year was not the bullpen that the Cubs finished with. It's, it's just gotten much more locked down and easy to breed since Jeremy Jeffress emerged and Craig Kimbrell got his release point right and just started dominating again. But this is the entire season, so it's going to include that bad period too. Uh, the Cubs have the 18th best bullpen in baseball by F. War. Now, that's not great. Don't love it. But, you know, it is what it is. The Marlins have the second worst bullpen in baseball by F4. So I really feel like the Cubs can take advantage of some subpar pitching here. Think of who they have been seeing all season. They have been seeing Trevor Bauer. They have been seeing Sonny Gray. They have been seeing Luis Castillo. They have been seeing Corbin Burns. They have been seeing Brett Anderson. They've been seeing Lucas Giolito. That is not who the Marlins are bringing on their pitching staff to Wrigley Field.
1: Um, yeah, that, that makes me feel really good. The other thing that's going to make me feel really good is if they go up there and really use the the approach that they use against the White Sox and, and watch some pitches, you know, have good at bats, be selective, don't go up there swinging at everything. I feel like things really turned around for them in this last series when they started going up there and having good long at bats, you know, nine, eight even seven pitch at bats you're making that pitcher work you're giving yourself an opportunity to get something to hit I think you go up there and just start swinging at everything and obviously I mean that is not the game plan that's not what you want to do you want to be aggressive if he's if he's going up there throwing first ball strikes but you also need to you know make sure that you're being selective and and not going out of your zone and you know staying zoned in on what you're hitting I just think that's going to be a huge, a huge motive for them to like be able to do well and, in all of the playoffs. And I mean, that seems so, you know, obvious, duh, but they haven't been doing that this season. Like the strikeout rates are up. You go, you watch some of these guys in the middle of the season and they just look lost and they're swinging at things they shouldn't be swinging at. So Hopefully they go up there with the same approach they had against the White Sox, and they're really taking long, lengthy at bats and waiting for something to hit. Well, and the waiting for something to hit thing is the key.
0: You know, I'm I'm watching what I am calling, you know, the baseball equivalent of March Madness, uh, Wild Card Week, and I'm seeing some hitters really doing some damage on early pitches, but it's because they're getting the pitch they want early. Right? It's about selectivity. So, yes, like you want to have long counts, but you don't want to have long counts at the expense of you're watching a couple of pitches down the middle go by. And we've seen that from the Cubs a little bit lately, too. So I I think they need to, you know, swing at the pitch they want and be selective. I think they want to take advantage of the fact that even though they haven't seen this Marlins rotation or this Marlins bullpen this season, that is a young and less experienced pitching staff than the, what the Cubs veteran batters are bringing to the table and they should be able to win that matchup.
1: Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, and, you know, another thing that you kind of wonder about too, is not having the ability for the in game video and watching at bats and stuff. But I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's not going to be as big of an, itch, an issue. I, I think just, you know, kind of feeding off of each other. And like you see, Anthony Rizzo after in a bat, go and talk to the next guy up and, and kind of, you know, you know that he's telling him, this is what he's throwing. Look for this, blah, blah, blah. I think as long as this team is loose and, and, and kind of having that fun that they were having the past few games, you know, and communicating, I, I think they're going to be in good shape. I, I really do. And, you know, none of those guys forgot too soon how it felt to hit the ball, the way that they were hitting the ball, the last couple games. and, Trust me when I say that that is such an amazing feeling and you want to kind of stay locked in and in that zone. So they're definitely, you know, whatever they were doing to, to get there, they're going to keep doing that. So if it's two chains and high socks, you're going to see a lot of jewelry this series. <laughs> I am all here for two chains
0: and high socks. I think it's a great look. They should just totally lean into that. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't tell you a little bit about some of these Marlins hitters that the Cubs pitchers are going to be facing They have three guys with a WRC plus over 110. They have one sitting at 109. So I'll include him in our hot Marlins hitters over the last two weeks as well. That is John birdie who admittedly is leading the team with a 155 WRC plus, but it's only over 35 plate appearances. So I think he's probably being used in like a more of a platoon situation. I doubt you'll see him every single game. Uh, Garrett Cooper, who has a WRC plus of 137. Jesus Aguilar, our old friend, um, from the NL Central, is sitting at a WRC Plus of 115. And then Miguel Rojas is um, the guy coming in at 109. Some other familiar faces from the NL Central who you might see uh, uh, might recognize. Starling Marte is playing with the Marlins right now, and I probably shouldn't have made that plural because he's the only one <laughs> that
1: I should have added. <laughs> um, actually, not true. If you remember our friend Salt, is on their pitching. Oh, staff true. Well. I was, I was looking at the hitters, but yes, go ahead with salt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, closer, he's a, he's... I can't even believe this. I know it's crazy. And, um, I, I have to say, I, as much as I love, we're talking about Brian and Kinsler. If you guys don't remember his nickname, um, he was, he was definitely a favorite of mine. I loved that guy. And he was definitely one that I kind of had hoped the Cubs would keep. Obviously, you know, they, they, They see things I don't, they know things I don't. It's fine. It is what it is, but he had been on the IL for, I believe, um, 14 days earlier in the season. I don't know the last, um, the last time I heard he was up and at him and ready to go in the playoffs. And I'm sure probably looking forward to facing his old team. So yeah, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of guys on this team that know him, um, probably know him well. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be looking for that matchup to see him come in against some of his old friends. I think that will be very interesting.
0: Yeah, Kinsler has been hot recently. Uh, the our SB Nation Marlins site, Fish Strikes, you should check them out for all of your Marlins news. But you know, Kinsler is their headliner as one of their top pitchers, along with the starters Pablo Lopez and Sandy Alcantara. So I think that it'll be interesting to see if Kinsler has managed to channel that lockdown closer energy one more time. You may remember that when the Cubs picked him up it was like the trade season where Theo was just accumulating closers from other teams. So he had been closing for the Twins um before he came over. Oh wait, actually I'm mixing that up. Kinsler had been He was with the Nationals when the Cubs got him. But he went to when he went to the Nationals, I think he had been the closer for the Twins. I don't know, y'all. It was a couple of years ago. And in COVID time, that's like a decade. So my point being that he does have some closing experience. Um, it's not recent until this season with the Marlins. Wow, I said that as awkwardly as humanly possible. Andy, rescue me.
1: <laughs> yeah, he definitely was used in that situation with us. Um, either as a setup guy or as a closer. So he definitely knows what he's doing. And just as our guys are familiar with him, he's gonna be familiar with some of our hitters. So um that's gonna be it's gonna be a tough matchup. But again, we're talking about the second worst bullpen in baseball. So um he might be the only driving force out there. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> he might, he might, he might be the only one. And if you recall, I think we even talked about um It was him and Steve Seashack that I said they were used so much last season that their arm would become separate from their body. So we'll see where he's at at this point. Obviously, with a shortened season, you know, he probably hasn't been through um, that much wear and tear this year yet. So he probably still has a lot in the tank and he is ready to face us. I can guarantee that. Indeed.
0: All right, a couple more quick hits before we call it and just get ready to steal ourselves for an entire day of baseball, including the Cubs game on ABC at one o'clock. The chalk wall briefly looked like it was getting started at Wrigley Field over the last couple of days. When I walked by this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, it had been washed away. <gasps> Andy, what yeah. do you think of the fact that the traditional postseason chalk wall, and I don't know who did it. Like, let me be really clear. I don't know if I don't know if it was like a fan. I don't think it was the Cubs because when the Cubs have done it in the past, they use a pressure washer and it's like clean, it's a clean wipe. And that's not what this looked like. Although maybe they just didn't use the pressure washer this time. I don't know. I, I was a little bit saddened to see that the chalk wall that had just started was washed away.
1: That is so sad. That makes me kind of mad. I mean, like who would go and do that? I mean, okay, hold on. If you White Sox fans touched our chalk wall, I'm gonna have problems because I wished you good luck. And I'm very happy for you guys in in the playoffs in the postseason. You stay away from our chalk wall. All right, go back to your south side. And we'll talk when it's World Series time in Texas. But stay away from our chalk chalk wall. Like that's that's I mean, come on, that's kind of sacred, you know. Like, who's doing this? Did it rain? <laughs> it, well, it, it did, but
0: the the way that um, is set up, it was not the rain. Let me just put it this way: so I was, I had walked by twice um, between when there had been no rain, and the portion of the wall that people write on is actually under the overhang of the bleachers, so it doesn't really get wet. That's it's covered, unless there is like a, an extreme storm that like blows sideways and stuff
1: oh that's sad let's not do that you guys let's leave it I mean and maybe maybe it's somebody that is like super superstitious you know what I mean like they're uh maybe we shouldn't be doing this until we win the pennant or whatever blah 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 but no I mean like it's something that people enjoy doing and it makes us you know in the spirit and gives us that you know playoff playoff mood then let it ride like you know who's it hurting
0: All right. So I I agree with you completely. I think it's a fun tradition. And the only thing I could think of was maybe people didn't like the idea of leaving chalk out there that people would just be like using again and again because of the pandemic that like there could be germs on the chalk and people are just picking it up. Because one of the things about that chalk wall is that the chalk just gets left there and people just walk by and pick up a piece of chalk and write stuff. But I don't know, that just seems a little bit Extreme, you can use some hand sanitizer or something and probably be okay. So, if the track wall comes, but makes a comeback, I think that it's incumbent on the Cubs and the fans to leave it and just let it be because the try messing, you're messing with like things that are bigger than you, people. You
1: can't like good juju, like yeah. let
0: the good juju go. You can't mess with things that are bigger than you during the postseason, it's against the rules. All right, here's my second uh little quick hit aside from the Cubs game what series are you most interested in and don't say the Braves and the Reds because like obviously if the Cubs win they play the Braves or the Reds but like some other series that does not immediately impact the Cubs
1: okay since you took my choice I think I am I've kind of found myself rooting for the White Sox which I mean, you know, they're Chicago, and how cool would it be? And I mean, it would be cool, but it also would kind of stink if we did have a White Sox Cubs World Series, and it was not in Chicago. <laughs> like that—that's painful. Like that just kind of hurts my heart. But I am rooting for the White Sox. I—I um, just—it's really fun to see them do well, and um, you know, I don't know. I forgot that um, is it Tommy La Stella is on. Um, on Oakland. So of course he had the first hit <laughs> off of Lucas Giolito this this afternoon. And the, I thought that was kind of funny and fitting at the same time, but um, I am really rooting hard for the Sox to do well. It's just better for the city. Um, in such a weird year, in such a year where you know, people are really having a hard time finding things to be excited and happy about. I think it's really good for the city of Chicago to have two teams do well. So up until the World Series, I will root for the White Sox. Um, Unless, of course, I don't want to say, but, you know, there's another team there that I should be rooting for. Um, But yeah, so I'm keeping a close eye on that. And, you know, National League, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to me that there's four Central League teams in the playoffs. So. I don't really feel like I need to watch as closely because, I, I you know, yeah, it, it, like the Dodgers and Milwaukee, it's going to be, um, <laughs> that's going to be interesting to me. If Milwaukee can take out the Dodgers, like that's that's huge. Um, but I, I don't think I'm going to watch those games. I'll probably just score watch a little bit. I think really I'm, I'll be the most invested in, in Oakland and, and Chicago and then obviously whoever the Cubs are playing. So
0: I agree with you about the White Sox. I I was watching that game this afternoon. I was totally rooting for Lucas Giolito to do the thing. I was just like in my brain trying, like, is he really going to do this again? Like within three months? That is insanity. He did not do the thing thanks to Tommy Licella, but it was so wicked fun to watch. I am real into this Padres team. And I have never wanted anything more than the Padres to just absolutely wreck the St. Louis Cardinals. (laughs) <laughs> I am so into Slam Diego. Like this is this Padres team is fun. They've been my West Coast team all season. I've watched a bunch of their games. Fernando Tatis is ridiculous. He is ridiculous, and like the whole team is just having a blast right now. And I know their pitching took a hit with some injuries, and they don't look quite like the team that they were when they were doing so much damage. But I think this Padres team is real good. And I just, can they please just knock St. Louis out fast? It would be so funny.
1: (laughs) Well, I hate to say it and like throw my husband under the bus because I love him so, but he feels like they don't have a shot in hell to be quite frank. Um, And he thinks it's going to be embarrassing. But I mean, you know, I live in the city. We talk about it all the time. You know, devil magic, devil bird magic. It happens crazier things have have happened at the hands of the st louis cardinals so yeah i mean i'll definitely i mean i I kind of feel like i'll be forced into watching that simply because my house will also be watching the cubs when they're playing um and a one o'clock game on a wednesday like can i just complain about this for a second and the cardinals get the four o'clock game like that is just i understand the time zones i get it but it's just that's annoying like i can't start drinking at one o'clock in the afternoon who does that (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be drinking my Nitro Cold Brew. Uh, shout out to our friend Husna, who
0: also is a Nitro Cold Brew lover. As I learned from her new podcast, which you should definitely check out. Um, I I can't justify
1: <laughs> to, like opening I mean,
0: a bottle of wine at one o'clock in the middle of the workday. It's it's going to be Nitro Cold Brew. It's it's okay. <laughs>
1: And listen, and I already, I mean, I, I kind of said this half joking, but I was also kind of serious other than one o'clock games. Every time they mention Bartman, you have to drink. Like these are the rules. If they're going to talk about this nonsense in order to deal with it as a Chicago Cubs fan and this poor man cannot get his name out of people's mouth, you have to drink. These are the rules. I don't make them. I just follow them. So I guess I just have to be mindful of what it is I'm drinking every time they mention Bartman. Yeah,
0: totally reasonable. I think that um, the Bartman drinking game, regardless of what you're drinking, whether it's water or LaCroix or, you know, you're being a little adventurous in the afternoon or you're drinking your nitro cold brew, I totally agree that that is a must-drink situation if a certain Cubs fan comes up 500 times and Andy cannot remember her name, it'll be okay because we will be back to remind her of everything she needs to know from the Cubs Marlins series on what is set up to be an absolutely ridiculous week of baseball. I know that my Wednesday is just revolving around all of these games. I cannot wait for it. You can follow along. Follow me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at at BRYZ underscore blue. You can find both of us with all of your Cubs news updates and postseason banter at at Cup of Cubby Blue until next time when we are hopefully previewing the NLDS.